Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs. That guy up there is Sergeant MVP Aaron Brown. Over there, that's the wild man, Chris Wilds. And you are you. And we're thankful to have you back in tonight as we preview Ohio State's Second game of the season, week number two, Youngstown State. Does this get your juices flowing, Chris, or what? Youngstown State, man. I'm so excited. It's you know the home, you know home of Jim Trestle, though, man. I was going to say, it would excite me if they said Trestle is dot in the eye. Yeah. Right? That would excite me because the if, man deserves it. If, there, if it's not a sellout yet and they announced that, I'm about guarantee it would be. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I would I would skip my prearranged uh, <clears throat> event for the weekend, and I would actually buy a ticket. There, there you, there you, there you go. Aaron, how about you? Are you super stoked for this noon kickoff against the Penguins? Uh I'll tell you, it's not every day that you get to play a team nicknamed the Penguins. So. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that we're playing Alaska Anchorage University or something with the I, I know, Penguins. right? Antarctica State University, something what, crazy. What would what would the what would the Youngstown State mascot be? Should be the mobsters. I was gonna say something to do with the mob. I don't know. You, you know, like the silhouette from well, you, you uh, could I don't do know, something with steel too. I mean, they were a steel city. They That's were. True. They were. Yeah. Maybe a hard hat. I believe the movie Deer Hunter was actually filmed partially it was. in Youngstown. It was so maybe the maybe they could be the Deer Hunters. That would be that'd be interesting. Well, they're gonna try. They're gonna try to be Buckeye Hunters. Um, as I interview, and you'll hear this if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast. I interviewed uh, Mr. Wetzel. Joel Wetzel, he's the beat writer for the Tribune Chronicle there, covering Youngstown State University sports. And they're coming in this thing. They're not backing down. I'm glad. You know, good for them. I'm glad they're coming in. Guns a-blazing. They're not just going to come in, get collect their paycheck, and go back to Northeast Ohio. They're coming to, to play football. This is not a – this is not a average or – below average division one double a school this is a proud program a school where jim trestle won four national championships at that level yes it's a different level yes ohio state should win this handily that's the expectations for this week but i want to see that big jump from week one to week two aaron as a coach why is it that the greatest improvement they say you make is after game one before game two. I think it's because, you know, you, you got to hit another team in week one and you know what your major flaws are. So you can really start working on those major flaws. So, uh, you know, and I think coach day and Kyle McCord kind of addressed it in their post game interviews. Um, you know, they acknowledged that it wasn't a great game. 
I think that we can all agree there's some play calling that we could improve on because, I mean, it's not just the players that are improving. It's the coaching staff too, you know. So Brian Hartline calling plays, working with Coach Day. Um, I think that having uh, Brian Hartline on the sideline, maybe maybe we should put him back in the box because, I mean, they have the ability to, you know, talk down on the sideline, but – um, that's just a, a small example of the improvements that are made between game one and game two. But overall, I think that it's just, you know, you've, you've got to put a helmet on someone else and you know what your flaws are so you can attack those and try to improve. I'm going to poke the bear here tonight. Do it. Does Ryan Day miss Kevin Wilson, Chris? Hmm. I think to some extent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I was not Kevin Wilson's biggest fan, although I will, I will, you know, admit he did a decent job. I think but this Kevin, is this is the thing. He was the eyes in the sky. Correct. He was that offensive mind that was in sync with Ryan Day. Correct. That could see the field from up high and say, "Listen, this is what's going on on the field. This is what I'm seeing." Day could process that and decide what play to move with. I'm wondering if there isn't a little bit of disjointed flow of information there from the box today. That yeah, and I that, can see that and then given the fact that we have a new quarterback, we're breaking in two new tackles and a center on that offensive line. You, I think it was kind of asinine for the fan base to think we're going to look like we did against Georgia. There is no Calm way. Down, Hope Street. There is no way that was the case. But we still want to have a standard, right? But, so. but this is the thing, too. With, you mentioned Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson was a head coach. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ryan Day had, I think, a lot of faith and a lot of trust in Kevin Wilson that I don't know that he's built that up with, with Brian Hartline <clears throat> or whoever's in the box at this point yet. So yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think that you're right. I think there's definitely probably at least a little bit of a disconnect right there. All right, so we're going to have three different videos this week if you're watching on YouTube. Let's start with the first one here. Let's break down this game historically and statistically first tonight, all right? The game is actually at 12 o'clock on BTN, so the first game on the Big uh, Ten Network for this season for the Buckeyes. It's a 12 o'clock, 12 noon kickoff. Nice little penguin there, a little mascot there for uh, – Youngstown, they're not the mobsters, Chris. They are the Penguins coming in to the horseshoe to take on Ohio State. Now, looking at this thing by the numbers, there's not a whole lot of numbers to actually break down here. Ohio State and Youngstown State have played twice, both times when Jim Trestle was coach. And he told Tim May on the Tim May podcast today he did not enjoy these games. He has a very special place in his heart for Youngstown. Like I said, he won four national championships there. Number two, he ended up becoming the president there after the fact. Um, he did not like these games, but Ohio State played well, 43 to nothing and 38 to six. You go back, Trestle could have could have just absolutely annihilated that place, but he didn't do it. Ohio State has never played Youngstown State in Youngstown for obvious reasons. They are the big dog. So both games have been at Ohio Stadium. This will be Ryan Day's first time coaching against the Penguins. He has a 46-6 and record overall. Uh, Youngstown State is coached by Doug Phillips. This will be his first time coaching against Ohio State, and he is 12-17 and overall. Interesting to note here, guys, 
The Penguins played at Kentucky last year and did decently well in that football game. Kentucky did not blow the doors off of them. Now, uh, eventually, you know, depth and and recruiting rankings and talent won the day for Kentucky. But I also don't think Kentucky's nearly on the same level as Ohio State is, especially defensively. Chris, let's break down statistics next. Do you want to start with the Buckeyes or you want to start with the Penguins? Well, let's start with the Buckeyes, Eric, because, you know, after week one, a lot of fans, like you mentioned, might have been a little bit surprised at the uh, statistics we had, uh, specifically offensively. Um, Kyle McCord, of course, led the team in passing and was statistically sound, despite what I would call a rough start. Uh, He completed 20 of 33 passes, 239 yards, zero touchdowns, did have a pick, on a play where, I, you know, I just think he was trying to do too much. That You know, as a quarterback, you never want to make that cross-body throw. Just trying to do too much. Uh, it's a far cry from what we expected last week when we entered the game. Maybe even more surprising was that we were limited. Uh, you know, our, our two first-round receivers were limited to five catches for 34 yards. That's okay. Because, a mech, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Cade Stover and Julian Fleming stepped up. Stover's leading the team in yards right now. He had 98 receiving yards on five receptions. And then Julian Fleming led the team in receptions with six, gaining 58 yards. Now, our running game, pretty solid there. Uh, Surprisingly, a little bit was not so much that we were solid there, but that it wasn't Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams who led the way. It was Chip Trayannum who had eight carries, 57 yards, 7.1 yards per carry. Henderson did add 12 carries for 47 yards. Mayan Williams, well, he got it when it counted. He got two touchdowns on 25 yards, seven carries. Uh, You know, maybe the offensive player of the game might have been Jaden Fielding, guys. I mean, he came out there, he kicked three field goals, good on all three, added two extra points, and, uh, you know, had two big special teams tackles as well. Now, defensively for Ohio State, the first game may not have been a thing of beauty from the offense, but it was awesome from a defensive standpoint. Steel Chambers led the team six tackles. Uh, defensive line was disruptive, but, man, it was Sonny Styles who led the team in tackles for loss. Uh, so that was something great to see. Ohio State did account for one sack late in the game from Hero Canoe. Uh, the Buckeyes, guys, they did limit Indiana to 153 total yards, 82 of those passing, 71 rushing held them to 2.83 yards per play and kept them out of the end zone in the 23-3 victory. Ohio State did not give up a play of more than 24 yards through the air, which was a big problem last year. Also did not give up a running play of more than 11 yards. So putting a stop to those big plays was a big thing. And the Buckeyes guys are currently ranked fourth in the nation in overall defense. So... Some definite positives there. So, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, so uh, I was going to – oh, Aaron. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Life I was with gonna... a one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if anything jumped out statistically to either one of you guys with those um, with those stats. You know, I'll be honest um, – Kate Stover surprised me. Going back and watching the film again, we know he's good. 
but it sure felt like that was the guy that that McCord is most comfortable with in this offense right now. Like he's yeah. looking for him. Yeah, and and the nice thing about Cade Stover is he can do it anywhere. He can get you those short, tough yards. But as we saw, he can bust down the seam. He's got a little bit of speed and athleticism. And the other thing was he was very solid blocking as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Kate Stover, guys, he he is the guy right now on that offense. Now, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr., he gets all the attention. But I, I don't know where the disconnect is there. I mean, this was McCord's guy all the way through high school. These guys have history. Well, okay, so, there's, a, there's a theory out there. I'd love to get Aaron's take on this one. Coming your way, big guy. Get it. There is a rumor floating around, or maybe an idea floating around, that McCord is not the one who the offensive players, specifically the wide receivers, want as quarterback. I, if that's true, if it's true, I'm not saying it is, but if it's true, could that be one of the reasons why we saw maybe – Maybe some negative body language, Aaron. I mean, there there was something going on there in the receivers that uh, in that first game that just they didn't look themselves. I agree, um, and it's that's very possible. Uh, you know, I don't know the source of that rumor, or that information, <clears throat> but if the receivers don't want McCord as their guy, there's a reason for that. You know, um, it could be they just can't seem to establish uh, on-field rapport with him. They can't get on the same wavelength channel-wise, whatever the case. Because honestly, when you've been practicing all summer and spring with McCord, and I understand they've had a QB competition, so reps were probably split. But still, if you've been working with these guys all summer and spring and fall camp, and you're still getting short throws, underthrown, thrown behind, that indicates a problem to me. And we could discuss it and put a little bit of that on the offensive line. That would be fair and valid. But um, to hear you say that, um, it makes sense. Uh, it, you does. Know, neg- it does. It makes a lot of sense to me at this point. Uh, negative body language, it, it could have been frustration too, though. Uh, Because, I mean, I don't know how many targets Marvin had, but for him to only have two receptions, I can certainly understand as the number one wide receiver why you would have negative body language for that reason. I believe he only had five or six targets total, Aaron. And two receptions. And let's be real, it's not his hands that are the problem. No. So That that first throw, I think – Chris said almost he looked like a shortstop. He had to, sh- they yeah. were just like almost short hop to him. And then he leaves him high and dry. Like I could understand the frustration there. When Absolutely. you're, when you're used to CJ Stroud putting the football like on a dime consistently. And now this guy's like all over the board, there could be some frustration and, there. And do we think there was anything too after that play where, McCord threw the bad pass and Harrison came down and nearly injured himself. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like there yeah. could be, there could be some dude, what are you doing to me type of thing? Um, it, you don't, you don't want to believe that they wanted the other guy to win because if that's the case, mm-hmm. then where's there's obviously a disconnect between the coaching staff and your best players. But 
there's only one way to find out, and that's going to be when Brown gets in, how does he look? If, yeah. you know, the first – he got two series in that Indiana game, and the first one was a joke. Right. It was a joke. Yeah. So let's – you know, I, I was kind of surprised Day announced McCord was going to start again. I thought he was going to come back and say, now it's Devin Brown's turn to start. And he didn't. He said McCord's going to get to start and that Brown's going to get a little – he's going to get more significant playing time. Try. But – it's the yeah, ego. it's the ego. I'm telling you, it won't let him. It won't let him give Devin Brown a fair shot at this point. All right, Chris, let's look at the statistics on the other side of the football now with the Penguins from Youngstown State. All right, so Youngstown mistake or Youngstown State? Youngstown mistake. <laughs> no, no, they were anything but a mistake in their first game. In fact, they were an offensive machine. Uh, Fifty-two points, four hundred seventy-one yards of total offense, including. 302 yards on the ground. Their passing leader was Mitch Davidson, who had 11 was 11 and 19 for 130 yards. Did toss a touchdown pass versus Valparaiso. Rushing leader Tyshawn King, 11 carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Deshaun Watley and Cephas Harris also contributed to that rushing, rushing attack. Watley adding 59 yards, Harris adding 58. All three of their backs, uh, all three of their lead backs there, all averaged more than eight yards a carry. So that was pretty phenomenal there. Uh, the receiving was led by returning all-conference wide receiver Bryce Oliver. Oliver had five catches for 65 yards. C.J. Charleston added 47 yards on four catches and a touchdown. The guys defensively, the Penguins were solid as well. The defense is led by Alex Howard, and he leads the team in tackles with nine, sacks with two, and tackles for loss with three. Also, they've got a very disruptive uh, returning all-conference defensive lineman and Dylan Wedke. He's a disruptive force, and he's tied for the lead in fumble recoveries on this team with one along with Devin Johnson and Preston Zandler. Uh, YSU's defense was pretty solid versus Valparaiso. Five sacks, three forced fumbles, blowout win. Uh, but they're definitely going to face a little more of a challenge, I think, this week when they travel to Columbus. So that's it. That's the stats for YSU. Guys, let's just see how it equates on the field. Yeah, I don't think Valparaiso is even in the same stratosphere as Ohio State. Like it's a, Valparaiso it's, is somebody that Alabama or Michigan would put on their schedule. Before they played their rival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what Alabama would do. Uh Valpo is a basketball school. Let's just I mean let's just be yeah. honest here. Uh, uh th- th- it's a small town not too far from uh South Bend, Indiana on your way to Chicago and northern part of Indiana. Uh good engineering school doesn't have the reputation for engineering quite like Purdue does, but um, yeah, this is no compared. Those stats are going to look significantly different after their second game against Ohio State. You know, Youngstown State has guys, I don't know if any of them would even hold a roster spot on Ohio State. I don't know if their best guy would even practice squad. Sure. But part of the 85, what do you think? Aaron, you saw the film. Is anybody 
worthy of a scholarship to Ohio State on their roster? I, I mean, they'd probably be really, really serviceable fourth stringers. Okay. <laughs> so so they're walk-ons. They're, they're walk-ons and back. Yeah, they're walk-ons and I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, you know, practice, practice squad, squad kids. Guys. Yep. So there's no reason why Ohio State should not come out and 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 put up a big number offensively and hold this team down defensively. Let's talk defense for just a second. So I love the press conference today with Jim Knowles. I love Jim Knowles, by the way. Like I know I know that the defense is getting things straightened out and it's looking it's looking much better under Jim Knowles than Kerry Combs. Can we all agree on that? Yes. There's no, there's no fight in that one. The okay. lack of big plays say that. You know. <clears throat> so they asked Jim Knowles first question: How many? How much did you pr- uh, practice or plan for the option? And he said, eight plays, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now. He he brought it up before they went to Indiana. There was some intel coming his way that they were going to run the option. I don't know that I believe him in saying eight plays. I think that they did prepare a little bit for that, but I thought they played incredibly well defensively. They were so sound schematically, and they stayed true to the technique in defending the option. I thought that was phenomenal. A-plus there. It also explained a little bit on why I think the defensive ends were having a heck of a time getting home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I will say this to their defense, and Aaron, you can attest to this. A defensive end in the option is incredibly important because you have to stay in your lane, gap sound, and you have to set the edge and kick it back towards your linebackers who are going to clean it up or your, your hybrid uh, safety, which is Sonny Styles, who did a lot of cleaning up or Proctor, who's just had his hair on fire coming down from the safety position, looking to send somebody uh, to their early deathbed. Okay. So let's give the defense some props here. Okay. And now this week, after they did a doggone good job against a, an option team who they weren't expecting to be an option team, what improvements are you expecting defensively, Chris? And then, Aaron, you can answer after Chris is finished. Well, for me, I think the big thing is if we're not looking at the option, I need to see the defensive line getting home a little bit more. I need to see them getting more pressure on the quarterback and and getting the quarterback down. Um I think that's the biggest thing. And then the other thing is we did have a few instances where we had a little bit of trouble with just basic tackling technique a a little bit. Yes. That is something that we've got to clean up. And and the next two games are the games that we need to do that in. To answer that, though, before Aaron jumps in, they don't practice tackling as much as they used to for safety reasons. So I think at the beginning of the year it is a little bit it's going to be a little bit sloppy. Wonky looking. That's where we need to see the improvement. And I can see Aaron's not happy about that comment, but that's the way it is, Aaron. It is. They don't practice it like they used to. I understand, but, you know, be, they've came out with training tools, okay, that are, are 
pretty good about simulating tackling, okay? And I'm sure maybe you've seen some on Facebook or, or other social media sites, okay? They have these, uh, I don't even know what they're called uh, because they came out after even I was done coaching, but they were a new idea when I had left uh, Olentangy. Um, they're like these big rings, right? Tackling go, donuts. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. They, you send them rolling and you go and tackle it. Mm -hmm. Why? Uh, you know what I mean? It's it's the same motion. You're wrapping up and dragging rugby style tackling. And again, I know, you know, the, the donut can't stiff arm. It can't hop over you. It can't do those things. But even fundamentally, from little league, middle school to high school, you know not to grab a guy by the shoulder pads. Right. You know to at least hit the waist. You don't need a ton of practice to, to know that. You know what I mean? So I would look for that to be – I'm with Chris, man. That's got to be one of those things that you at least talk about. Like, what do you, what, why are you grabbing up here and trying to force a guy down or trying to wrap his shoulders and fall over with him? I talked about it in the, in the post-game show. That crap does not work against right. Notre Dame. It does not work against mm -mm. Penn State, Wisconsin, none of those guys. So They have a, they have a big, strong running back at Notre Dame who's going to break those yeah. easily. Yeah, 100%. Even mm -hmm. if it, hey, look, even if it's Tommy Two Thumbs, all right, he's, he's a human being too. You grab a hold of somebody who's strong or stronger than you or gets leverage, mm -hmm. you're not making that tackle, man. So you saw the film, Aaron. Last question here on this video. You saw the film. Does the offense that Youngstown State run give this defensive line more opportunities to get home and get those sacks this week? It does. Um, and, of course, More that's traditional, right? It, it is a little bit more traditional in the way they run their spread because uh, it is a spread offense to nobody's surprise that's what everybody does these days spread offense speed and space the whole thing zone blocking um but yeah i and again that's subject to change because i'm sure they saw what indiana was able to do maybe they feel like they can execute it better maybe not might not be in their wheelhouse you know the three-step drop quick hit passes um you know stuff like that rpo they might be able to hit that a little bit better uh, and it depends on matchups but um, you know, if Ohio State's playing a zone and their quarterback is smart enough to read that, um, and shame on Ohio State if they're not disguising their coverages, by the way, because uh, at this level, if you're not disguising your coverages, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but it just depends on what they see. So, okay. All right. So, you know, thank you so much, Chris, for bringing the statistics. Not much history there with Youngstown State, only two games. Looking forward to it. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up, like, share, subscribe, all those good things if you haven't done so already. Let's now transition over, Aaron, to the film room. Let's break down some film here. And do you want to start with Youngstown State's offense or defense first, Aaron? Uh, let's go with the defense. All right. The defense first. And there was two plays you sent me. Uh, which one do you want to talk about? Mm, let's do where their wide receiver or running back. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the tight end. Did a little shallow cross underneath. Okay. Uh, the one where he slips or not the, the, the one nope. where he did. Okay. Gotcha. Other one. Here. Perfect. Here we go. Let's bring this one in for all of you. This is just going to loop over and over and over again. So go ahead and set this play up, Aaron, and tell us all about it. All right. So 
here's the deal with uh, Youngstown State's defense. They run a pretty traditional 4-3. Um, I, you know, looking at the Valpo game film, they don't really do anything fancy. Um, I would imagine because they noticed Indiana did disguised coverages and it seemed to throw McCord off. They'll probably do something similar. Um, so, you know, they may they may line up in man and then bail um, just to throw him off, thinking that, well, okay, we got a man a man coverage. Maybe we can get away with this pass or that pass, you know, and then they do a bail um, and then, you know, safety over top type thing and just full McCord the way Indiana did. Um, their defensive secondary, good coverage, not too bad, especially in the red zone. They did a nice job in man coverage there. But on this particular play, um, something you'll notice too is their strong side defensive end lines up. And this is, again, this is kind of traditional 4-3 stuff. Their strong side defensive end lines up in a seven technique. So he's like on the inside shoulder of the tight end. Uh, and that just gives him that leverage on the end. But they run a lot of zone coverage. You see those linebackers sitting up top there. That guy just snuck underneath, and uh, yeah, actually, it was the weak side tight end. So you could, you know, Ohio State could get away with some nice shallow crossings the way we used to, um, a la when uh, Chris Olave and Garrett mm -hmm. Wilson used to do it a couple years ago. Um, we toasted Michigan on that. Yeah numerous times that would be um, g scott jr right there basically running yeah. across the middle and given how he looked uh uh i thought he did really good in that first game uh, g scott's probably getting a lot more yards than what this kid did oh yeah absolutely he's bigger faster and stronger than this kid and, and i'm 99 sure of that um but again that's a difference in talent levels between the schools of course um but this is something that you know you could even run a double shallow cross uh, it, it, there's a lot of things we can do out of this. You know, the wide receivers ran the secondary further down the field and the linebackers dropped in coverage. And that's really what sprung that play. So that's, that's something Ohio state can absolutely take advantage of right there. And there's, there's different variants of that too, that you could run with the wide receivers, uh, as opposed to the tight end, you would just simply keep the tight ends, uh, blocking at the line to give Kyle McCord more time. Beautiful. So that's that's kind of what I saw on that play. Uh, let's okay. move to the next one. Sure. This is my favorite because the the receiver got 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 tackled by the turf monster. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it happens to the best of us. Okay? Don't be it happens. <laughs> it happens to me just blocking it through my house. What are you talking about? <laughs> he said I went to get the mail the other day and fell yeah. down the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, on this one. Um, Valpo is in, uh, looks like 10 personnel. So they got, you know, twin, uh, receivers on both sides. Um, and what I'm seeing here is something similar zone coverage. You know, uh, you got the wider or the, I'm sorry, the corners stayed in a shallow. I think they tried to set up like a high low and I don't know if Valpo just kind of, let's see what I saw here. Okay. Yeah, RPO'd on them. Okay, so they hit him with that RPO. So that's something Ohio State also has done in the past. Uh, past. So, you know, he did the play action there to the running back. He saw, you know, the wide receiver saw that uh, the, the corner was basically falling backward in his coverage um, and looked like the safety kind of got tangled up with him there, and uh, the receiver took advantage of it and hit, hit a little slant there. Um, unfortunately, he tackled himself, but, uh, again, it happens <laughs> 
happens to the best of us. Maybe it was, it was the, it was it was the, the penguin. penguin. It was the penguin. <laughs> so it was. Yes. <laughs> so a question here about the middle linebacker for Youngstown State. Did he just misread? Did he think it was a, a run and that's why he kind of went to the line of scrimmage? Or did he go on like a like a was he like on kind of like a, a blitz here? Like what because he he completely leaves the middle of the field wide uh-huh. open. Yep. And listen, that's part of the RPO reading process, right? So quarterback fakes the handoff. Uh unfortunately, the linebacker for Youngstown State. He completely vacated the middle, like you said, Eric, and mm-hmm. he bit on that run. Well, the receiver sees that, vacated the whole middle of the field. That's what opened up that slant because if the linebacker, uh, if he had stayed home or stayed in that zone, that slant's not there to throw. Yeah. In Chris, all likelihood, they hand it off. Chris, you're going to have to go back and add one tackle for the Youngstown State Penguin for on your stats here. One, yeah, one that, for the Oh, oh boy, definitely, definitely <laughs> tripped up on the penguin scarf. All right, let's move to the offense now for Youngstown State there. Uh, Aaron, you want to do the pass or, or the um, – let's see. Let's do the yeah, run. The, the run first? All right, yes, here we please. go. You got it. Okay, so on this, uh, looks to me like they're lined up in 11 personnel, maybe 12. I can't really tell. But they've got a guy coming in motion across the field. Um, And if you'll notice, the wing comes across the line and kicks out the end. Okay? Now, that's called split zone blocking. All right? But the play call was likely a read option. So the fact that that split zone worked so well, he was able to seal off the end he handed it off. What they could have done, okay, that's kind of like a triple option. So if he didn't hand to the running back, the quarterback then has the option of running it himself. However, probably wouldn't have been advisable because there's two uh, secondary players waiting for him in the middle of the field. Um, Or he could have used that motion man as a pitch man. Right. However, he read it correctly. Um, And uh, if I'm not mistaken, ultimately, uh, he okay, he got stopped. I saw later in the film that uh, that play was actually successful and it sprung the running back for like a 60-yard run, 55-yard touchdown run. Yeah. Uh, Some some long run. It was nice. They did it really well. Yeah, you run that a couple times and you you might get someone to bite on it and it could open up. But, you know, if the wide receiver takes out the cornerback here and the safety comes down – on that tackle and takes out the quarterback and he pitches it to the man in motion. That means that the safety across the field has to get that, that ball carrier. Yeah. So there's, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of, of, of what are you, what are you reading there from that uh, other safety? Right. Yeah. It just depends on what you're seeing. Um, he did make the correct read. I just think that um, Valpo just made a good defensive play. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, uh, their linebackers were able to get in there and make a stop. Secondary came up. Um, but, yeah, you're right, Eric. Uh, if you notice the wide receiver on that, he's angling toward that corner. He was going to seal that edge. And if he sustains his block, Youngstown State, if they pitch it, probably six on that Yeah, play. yeah, I think so. Uh, how do you blow this up? I think defensive tackles getting great push blows yes. this thing up. Yes, and I would look for Ohio State's defensive line. Um, to get a better push this week uh, again. And I think that's just a lot to do with the type of athletes we have compared to what they have. 
Uh, and that, I mean, that's just the nature of the sport, you know, eat or be eaten. Yep. Um, so that's it for that. Let's pull up. Uh, and I wanted to also tell you guys, you know, the split zone that should look familiar to you guys. Ohio State ran that. Nope. And split zone blocking has become very popular. Uh, similar to how similar to how just regular zone blocking is. All right, Eric, you have the other one pulled up. Let's go. Let's roll. Okay. So on this one, again, you're going to have split zone blocking, and you're probably like, "What the heck? I thought that was a running scheme." Well, that's that's how you would you you would fool the defense into thinking uh, that it's a run. On top of the fact that it was a play action. Okay. So again, read your keys, follow your guy. Uh, I think uh, Valpo in this play was in a cover three. Because uh, they have a single high safety, or it could have been man. Actually, you know what? It was man because the corner completely followed him. Um, so they played that. They they played that very well defensively, and Ohio State would have to do something similar. There was no open receivers that forced Youngstown State to have to run for it. However, I saw a couple other times where this play was successful, and it wasn't huge long gains. Not everything is a sixty yard pass, as you guys should know by now even though we are spoiled as Ohio State fans with that sort of thing. Um, that's just not the case for these guys. If they get you know a 10-yard gain, 15-yard gain, that's pretty solid for them. And honestly, that's solid for anybody because all you need is first down after first down until you get to the red zone and you can score some points. But on this one, they had the split zone blocking and ultimately uh, Youngstown State's receiver running across the field is what allowed a, a little bit of a, a lane to the outside for the QB to escape to. However, he's just not fast enough to get there. <laughs> right. So so you get this result where he gets tackled out of bounds. But again, uh, look for something similar to this on Saturday against Ohio State. They're going to try to do a split zone play action uh, pass. It may or may not work. Depends on Ohio State. Of course, it will always come down to how Ohio State reacts. Um, but I would look for all these type of plays, you know, just kind of a, I don't want to say a vanilla 4-3 defense, but that's essentially what it is. They don't really do anything special. So look for a 4-3 defense. Uh, they read their keys well. They're not bad for the level that they're at, the FCS level. Offensively, they're just, they're doing all the things that you saw Ohio State do over the last few years. They're split zone blocking, zone blocking, uh, the play action out of split zone, crossing routes, and the like. There you go, man. So Aaron breaking down some film there for us, getting ready for Youngstown State. I think if Ohio State comes out and just, again, doesn't do anything stupid defensively, there should be a lot of three and outs. They should they should be forcing Youngstown State in a lot of three and long, third and longs, pin your ears back, go blitz the quarterback. Don't be afraid to jump some routes a little bit here. You know, I, I, we need we need to turn the football over this week. We yes. need to create some turnovers. Yeah. You know, they played really sound last week, but they did not create a turnover last week. That's something that this defense needs to do. Uh, any last thoughts on the film there or anything from Youngstown State you want to talk about, Aaron? 
Um, I, something I noticed is they do run a lot. Their defense runs a lot of zone. Okay. So this really is a good opportunity for Ohio state to get back to their bread and butter, the crossing routes, the mesh, um, and get, get back on board, get, uh, get in sync with each other from the, from McCord to the receivers, uh, McCord, this is a good game for him or Devin Brown, depending on how the, you know, coach day decides to, to divvy that playing time up, but it's, it's a good opportunity for McCord to really get his confidence going. That's really what this game is for this week. Yeah. Or does Devin Brown play better? I we're going right. to find out question marks all around on that thing. Absolutely. Chris, you got any last thoughts on this? I just don't feel like we're going to get the opportunity to see if Devin Brown plays better. It, you know, I, I agree. You're not the only one that feels that way. Absolutely. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And we are now joined by Joel Wetzel. He is the beat writer for Youngstown State for the Vindicator and the Tribune Chronicle. Joel, thank you so much for joining us this evening here on the OHIO podcast to preview Ohio State and the Penguins of Youngstown, Youngstown State, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh Thanks for having me on. We're looking forward to the trip down. Yeah, this is this is you know, before we get into the series of questions, I've got to say that this is special for me because I am a huge Jim Trestle fan. Mm-hmm. Like I, you could probably say I'm a sweater sweater vest fanboy. Have been ever since I was in college when he was the head coach and brought a national championship to Ohio State when I was there and. And, you know, I, we've, been, we've been trying to get Ohio State to let him dot the I in this game. I don't think it's going to happen because we haven't heard anything. I, usually they would let the cat out of the bag if that was going to be. What's your thoughts on Jim Trestle? Do you still see him around the program and, and things? Yeah, he, st- he still makes appearances. I mean, he's still in the area, generally speaking. Actually, he speaks at practices every now and again. So he's still – relatively involved i think he's trying to enjoy retirement the best he can but he has always kind of struck me as one of those guys that always needs to be into something just to keep himself active but but yeah he's certainly beloved in youngstown oh i imagine i imagine he's he's beloved statewide man Mm -hmm. like he is he is a national treasure let's start here joel um so this game's interesting to me because You know, Youngstown State is a small school program, but yet they have this kind of big school feel about them. What, uh, as far as this game against Ohio State, how does the team view the opportunity to play Ohio State and play in Ohio Stadium, this being the third time they've done so? Yeah, I I think everyone's probably pretty excited. I mean, this is the biggest Power 5 stage they've played on probably in quite some time. I mean, Kentucky and Michigan State are both, great venues we we've enjoyed both trips but i i think staying in state and going to a place that probably a lot of these guys grew up watching is is going to be a special experience i also think they go in thinking they've got nothing to lose you know i it's one of those situations everybody's probably counting them out what what happens if you lose nothing what happens if you win i everything to gain so yeah uh, which makes them a little dangerous but We'll see. Yeah. You know, they, they seem to be pretty explosive in their first game. So tell me a little bit about this team. Like, uh, uh, I know you've gotten to see them one game under their belt now, and it seemed like they are pretty explosive offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So year four under Doug Phillips, this is kind of the season everybody's wanted him to build toward. 
it's been a, a labor of love, you know, one win in that weird COVID spring season, the FCS played three wins in 21, the fall of 21. And then last year they went seven and four and just missed on an FCS playoff appearance. So this year, kind of the expectation is make the playoffs, win a game or two. Um, as far as the team itself goes, it, it's a Doug Phillips team. They take pride in running the ball, but they're, they're going to be well-balanced. Mitch Davidson, a quarterback, can, can sling it around the, the field. Um, and defensively, they, they've really improved in the last couple seasons. So we'll, we'll see how everything kind of stacks up. Yeah, so so you talk. You mentioned the, the head coach there. Talk a little bit about this coaching staff and kind of the philosophy that they have. Sounds like they've been building up to this year, so it sounds like they have a pretty good team. Yeah, they, they've always prided themselves on being what Doug Phillips will talk about till he's blue in the face, being a developmental program. They don't really rely on the transfer portal a ton. Almost all of these guys that you'll see on the field are in-house products, with the exception of tailback Tyshawn King and receiver Bryce Oliver on offense and then a couple defensive guys. But um, they've really valued recruiting locally, recruiting the state of Ohio, building up these kids and and then in two or three years putting them on the field and th- and now you're in year four where those original guys and some of the Bo Pelini holdovers have really gotten their chance to develop and see the field now this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So who are some of the names that Ohio State fans should know before the game because they're going to hear the PA announcer name them quite often during the game? Yeah, so I, I think if you start on offense – it begins with receiver Bryce Oliver. He was originally a Kentucky uh, receiver and then hit the transfer portal and came down to Youngstown State or up, I guess, from Kentucky. But um, really explosive, really dynamic, athletic. He's not super tall by any means, but can jump, I mean, out of the building. So their offense will will look to stretch the field with him in the backfield uh, it's kind of a one-two punch with Dre Rushton and Tyshawn King. Dre was held out of the Valpo game as, as a game-time decision. He's got something going on with his lower leg. But between the two of them, they don't feel it's a first and second stringer as much as it is, excuse me, as much as it is 1A and 1B. Uh, Dre's pretty shifty, can get between the tackles and, and run pretty quick. And then Tyshawn's pretty downhill, but he can he can feature some burst when he gets into open space. And then defensively, it, it all starts up front. Uh, look for Dylan Woodkey. He's a defensive end, uh, all-Missouri Valley player, all-American caliber, and he's really disruptive. And really everything they do defensively starts up front. So you brought up the Valpo win from last week. Uh, kind of give our listeners and viewers uh, kind of a rundown of how that game went for Youngstown. Sounded like they got off to a little bit of a slow start, and then they really kicked it in gear. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a little slow start. They were up 7-3 to three after the first quarter, actually went up 14-3 to three in the second and could have landed 
what I would have called the knockout blow at one point, but they ended up settling for a field goal and only going up 17 to three. And then the defense gives up a touchdown right before halftime. So it's a one score game going into half. And then in the second half, they blew, blew the doors off of Valparaiso. I, you know, three fumbles, all, all of which ended up in as points for YSU. And that's kind of how they, they blew it open. Uh, two of those were strip sacks. So like I said, starts up front defensively, and they'll look to use the defense to, to keep them in games, and then the offense eventually gets it going. Yeah. So a little bit about kind of the pulse of the fan base there, yeah? So, I mean, I assume that there's quite a few Youngstown Penguin fans who are also Buckeye fans, mm-hmm. when you know, and then, and then kind of getting the best of both worlds together here. Uh, what's the fan base like there? Is it kind of like this is just cool, just sit back and enjoy the whole darn thing, or is this like – you know what, let's go up there and beat the Buckeyes type of thing. I think there's a little of both. I think a lot okay. of people are probably like, man, it's, this is awesome. Like our two teams are getting together. But there's a pretty vocal segment of the YSU fan base that looks at this as, hey, this is Youngstown against the world. Go sure. down there and shock everybody. So kind of a neat split. But I, I think probably the majority look at this as a, a cool opportunity to see two local teams. Yeah, now there, there's, you know, when you look at this from the perspective of Ohio State, they really have nothing to gain from this and everything to lose. You know, I guess if you if you wanted to look for positives, it was like, hey, there were some things in the opening game against Indiana that didn't look so hot. Maybe against a smaller school, we can kind of work some of those kinks out a little bit. But I got to be honest with you, in the back of my head, I still remember Appalachian State shocking the team up north, man. Like and every year, I love to rub that into their fan base. You know, to, hey, remember when? And you kind of run the risk when you do this, mm-hmm. when you play a smaller school like this. If some crazy thing were to happen, it's going to follow your program for eternity. Like it's yeah. never going to go away. Like you know, I'm I'm originally from Knox County. And there's a little college there in Gambier, Ohio, a little village called Kenyon College. And there was a time Kenyon beat Ohio State. Now, it was back in like 1903, but everybody from Gambier likes to talk about the days when great-grandpa saw that victory, right? So, you know, which is crazy because even Ohio State was a small school back then. But what I'm getting at is the fact that you run the risk of that. I really feel like they did this, Ohio State signed this on because they love to at least sign one school from Ohio every year to share the wealth with. Mm -hmm. Has there been any talk in the athletic department there at Youngstown of the financial benefit of coming to Columbus and kind of receiving that big paycheck to kind of pay for sports for the year? Yeah, they don't talk too much about that. I mean, I've – got a hold of the game contract with a, a freedom freedom of information act request and, and I think the payout's eight hundred thousand something like that but they play a power five every year the the gripe I have in years like this is they'll play a game like Ohio State and then two lower FCS teams so then you go into conference play kind of not really knowing just where things stand next year they play Villanova very comparable FCS program I'd like to see more of that. Um, but as far as openly discussing the, the financial benefits, no, they, they don't get too much into it, but obviously it is there. The other thing I would say, as you mentioned, you know, the Appalachian State game, 
Youngstown's not going to go into this afraid. I This is a program that that's pretty proud and, and has a rich history. So I, they're going to go in looking to win this game, but certainly an uphill climb. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, but no, that's great. You know, I wouldn't want a team come in going, we're just here for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. That does nothing for Ohio State. It really does nothing for them either. Um, you know, I would, I, I don't know, like, I, I guess maybe being from Ohio, kind of, kind of following Youngstown State as far as, how, you know, how they do today. And that's, you know, about, you know, as far as it goes for me, did they make the playoffs type of thing? Oh, they did. Cool. Are they going to be on like ESPN three or something? I might, you know, DVR it, you know. Um, so that's kind of like, I would say the majority of big time college fans here in Ohio, when it comes to say like a Youngstown state or a Mount union mm-hmm. in division three, who's got a great reputation as well of being a, a national power in their own division. But, you know, I wouldn't want a team coming to Ohio state who doesn't believe, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're coming to play, man. Like that's the whole point of this. And, uh, I think it's great. I think it's great for the state of Ohio. I think it's great for the Penguins. I think it's great for the Buckeyes. I love and, – and, and the whole Jim Trussell thing just kind of puts a bow on it, I feel mm-hmm. like. you know, like So it's going to be really interesting because you got you to think Jim's going to be there, right? Have you heard – is Jim going to the game? Or? I haven't asked, but you absolutely have He's to. He's got to be, right? He's going to be there. And I'm with you. I thought if ever there's a chance for him to dot the I, I – his two his two programs are together so yeah it would make sense it, it absolutely would i could see him with a sweater vest with oh, oh, the y and the o on one side of each other you know like you joked and just said it would be red yeah there you go just plain red there you go <laughs> i like it very very good you got a score prediction for me i'm in the ballpark of something like 49 to 10 56 to 10 i think this is going to get pretty out of hand. The thing I'm curious to see is how YSU's secondary holds up against, frankly, what's become wide receiver U Mm -hmm. almost. A week ago against Valpo, a little bit of struggles in the short and intermediate game and some miscommunication gave up that long touchdown before half. Uh, Well, not a long touchdown, a long play that set up a touchdown. So I think if secondary doesn't take a pretty great step forward, this is going to be a really tough day. Yeah. What does a successful day look like in Columbus, Ohio, for the Youngstown State University Penguins? I think first and foremost, come back fully healthy. Don't lose anybody to a game, frankly, that nobody thinks you're going to win. Come back whole roster intact. Beyond that, give it a, make it competitive as, as long as you can. Maybe force a few turnovers. A year ago at Kentucky – they, they hung with UK for the better part of the first half because of turnovers, but the offense couldn't go, get it going. If you can get a couple early turnovers and, and maybe put some fear into people early on, you'll feel pretty good about yourself. Is there any Joel Wetzel plans for coming to Columbus this weekend? And if so, what's, what's your plans, man, outside of uh, covering the game? Or are you strictly all business this weekend? No, I'm I'm all business. I did not grow up in Ohio, so okay. <laughs> won't be won't be too much uh, strain from the game. I I do enjoy coming down quite a lot. Um, I'll be going down and back that day though, so unfortunately can't hang out too much. But definitely looking forward to my uh my debut at Ohio Stadium. I've never been in the horseshoe, so I'm looking well, forward. It- to that. 
if you if you can come a little bit early, Joel, mm-hmm. enjoy some of the some of the tailgate. If you get the chance to go to the skull session, which is two and a half hours before kick, you'll want to do that uh, with your press pass. You can get right down in there, probably cover that thing. It's really cool. Okay. Um, obviously, that that would be a great article for you. Um, and then I think you know the first time you get to watch Script Ohio. Mm-hmm. is is pretty neat i, I just about every away person that comes for the first time that i've spoke to will will come away saying okay script ohio is legit that's that's a pretty cool tradition uh and a lot of people do like the skull session as well it's basically a giant statewide pep rally uh, okay. before the game it's it's pretty awesome the band the, the the coach speaks the players walk through um it, the atmosphere just gets you kind of built up and then of course the players walk into the stadium and prepare for the game at that point tail tailgating is going to be great uh tailgating is awesome at ohio stadium for the most part i've been to several big 10 schools and Ohio State kind of blows everybody away when it comes mm-hmm. to the tailgating. So tailgating scene is spot on if you want to do that as well, Joel. But, hey, you enjoy yourself at the shoe. Uh, you have yourself a great time. We are looking forward to ha- uh, having Youngstown come and be a part of what we hope is a good, fun, and healthy game, like you mm-hmm. said. And uh, you know what? I, I Usually I say go Bucks or OH, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'll respect the what, – what's the chant Youngstown has? Do they have some kind of chant? Uh, just YSU. YSU. Waddle like a penguin. I don't know. <laughs> kind of got a chant they got, but maybe maybe go Trestle, right? Trestle mm-hmm. for the win on, on Saturday. Thank you so much, Joel. Where can any where can everybody follow you at, man? Yeah, so on Twitter, at Joel Wetzel, and Wetzel is with an H. So Joel, W-H-E-T-Z-E-L. And then my work is on the Vindicator and Tribune Chronicle websites, vindy.com and tribtheday.com. Beautiful. Go check that out, everybody. Get yourself prepared for the game. If you live in Northeast Ohio and you kind of kind of follow Youngstown a little bit, a bit, give this guy a follow. He's a great writer. He's an award-winning writer, actually. I, I saw that. So congratulations on that, Joel. Fantastic yeah. job there. Thanks so much for being part of the OHO podcast. Have a great game this Saturday. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, let's move on to the part of the show where we look like either geniuses or we have no idea what we're talking about, and that is prediction time. So before we get into telling you all what our scores were, no one no one guessed the exact score last week. Uh, we've done this before on, on <clears throat> Facebook, and last year we even did it on Twitter now called X. This year we're doing it on YouTube and Rumble comment section put your score prediction in the comment section if you win i'll contact you and we'll get you a free t-shirt to the from the ohio podcast okay so put your score prediction down in the comment section below on our youtube page or our rumble page with this video before we predict our scores chris what are the keys to the game for you for ohio state we know they're going to win I mean, this would be a bigger upset than Appalachian State beating that team up north if they were to come into the shoe and knock off Ohio State. So let's be realistic here. What are you looking for? What are your keys to this game? Well, for me, first of all, we've got to see really darn near perfect offensive line play, given who they're playing against. Um, Last week, the, the offensive line didn't give up any sacks. But there were some run plays especially where guys got into the backfield 
and it just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, too many lookout blocks, too many, uh, you know, just too many basic mistakes there. The other thing is I need to see if Kyle McCord can be consistent. Um, towards the end of the game, he started to clean things up a little bit. But there was a lack of consistency. And, and you know what? I go back to what Ryan Day said before he even started this quarterback competition. And that was the guy who's going to win the job is the guy who can do the routine things routinely. We haven't seen McCord necessarily. He's done the routine things, just not routinely. <laughs> right. Okay. right. So I think we need to see that consistency. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I just want to see him. You know, they, they did a good job of having a balanced offensive attack last year's, or last week as far as the number of plays. I want to continue to see that because I think our running back room is too good to not get these guys' touches. Defensively, I just want to see him keep progressing and, and for the defensive line to get that pressure and get home to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, you brought up the offensive line, which didn't play well, especially on the left side. You know, Josh Simmons, his first game at left tackle, very first ever first start he had at left tackle. Let's keep that in mind. I thought Donovan Jackson, for being a preseason All-American guard, did not have a good game. He did not grade out as champion. In fact, the only offensive lineman that graded out as champion was right tackle Josh Fryer. Interesting. Yeah. Which, why... Why did they even put him at left tackle to begin with? Because he obviously is successful there. The right side of the line, and I, you know, you you did. You go back, you watch the film. The right side of the line played much better than the left side of the line. You know, Josh had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, I didn't didn't watch Matthew Jones much. I heard he didn't have a very good game. Um uh, Carson Hensman's very first start ever at center. There was a lot of shaky offensive line play because you had guys doing things they'd never done before. And as Aaron pointed out to us Sunday night, it takes time to gel on the offensive line, which is why it is critical that they remain healthy over the course of the next couple games, work some things out, work on their communication, begin to understand what the guy next to you is going to do on certain plays. And, and, and I don't think we're going to see a team until maybe Notre Dame that is going to present a defensive look like Indiana does. Now, Notre Dame's got better athletes than the Hoosiers. We understand that, but let's give, let's give credit where credit is due. Indiana has traditionally, and they did again this past weekend, present Ohio State with defensive looks that they have not prepared for, they've not seen before. And when those live bullets are flying and you've got new guys in new positions who've never experienced those things, that's what the coaches want. They want to see, they want you to put that stuff on film because now it offers them teaching ability to say, here's what you did, here's what you did wrong. Here's what we need to work on to improve that, which is why Woody Hayes said the greatest improvements from week one to week two. So quick, quick question for you. Let's say we got a blowout going. Yeah. How long do you leave the starting offensive line in there? Where is the balance between getting that time to gel versus that desire to if, stay healthy? If it truly is a blowout, probably the first series after halftime. 
That way you get you get that coming back off of halftime, get back into a rhythm, finish strong with another touchdown drive, get them off the field. Aaron, you cringed a little bit. What's your thoughts? What are we calling a blowout? Let's 35 say, let's nothing. Say we're, let's say we're, we're at 35 nothing at the half. If Ohio State has five possessions in the first half and they score five touchdowns, come on. Second game of the season, I, I'd probably keep them in until about the start of the fourth quarter. I'd make and them play three, three full quarters, maybe even a series into the fourth because they need that time. Their, their consistency right now, like last year's line, 100% on board with you, Eric. That would have been, yes, okay. But this offensive line, they need the work, and they're clearly not getting it at practice. Because it, if they are, it did not translate to game. It was okay. Can I? Can I be? I'm just going to be dead honest with you guys. This has turned into offensive line talk here on the previous show. They looked better than they did when I saw them at the spring game, yes. and when I saw them at the practice. Okay, That's I good. know. I I know that you're like, holy hell, how bad were they? Um, <laughs> Less than two seconds. Really, really bad, Aaron. Like, like DEFCON 5 here. Like, red, we're on red. The missiles are flying our way. (laughs) Say your prayers. Go, 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 go be with your loved ones. It's not going to be good. Like, this is, this is the end here. And so I was, even though there was some serious mistakes, I came away going, Okay, we can actually we can actually do this. Okay, here's where I think Ohio State fans are at with this. They know the good the the the, the knowledgeable fans, yeah, know how good the offensive line play has been for our rivals. Yes, they know how good they are up there, and we know we have some serious work to do to even get close to that and how have they beat us they have beat us by being more physical and more tough than us 100 percent. that's well, not gonna that's not gonna change this year like they are they are the same team and we aren't there chris we're not there no i agree and, and you have to remember not only do they have that just dominant offensive line possibly you know the best offensive line in the nation again but then you got your defensive line practicing against that line. How much mm-hmm. better? And Aaron might be able to, as a coach, speak on this. How much better is that defensive line getting because they are practicing against an offensive line of that caliber? I mean, they really on both ends, both sides of the football, their lines have been well, amazing. I'll, I'll tell you this much: Michigan's defensive line over the, the last two times we've played them at the end of the year been better than ours. Yeah. So it ain't hurting. It's not hurting them. I want you guys to think about this too, okay? In 2014, we had the same questions. That the line they had uh, was a Jack Muhort, Taylor Decker, uh, that that class of linemen. We got beat by Virginia Tech. Everybody said, "Oh, they're soft. We're going to lose more games. Uh, We're in trouble." JT Barrett was what a freshman or a redshirt freshman, and Cardale Jones was still wondering how he got to school. Okay, so. You see what I'm saying? Uh, it, I'm not. I'm not freaking out about this right now. Okay, that's why I said we leave them in the games a little bit longer against teams like Youngstown State, like Western Kentucky, 
give them that time to gel in a game atmosphere and let's see how it goes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let them get that game practice, that, that competitive practice in a game because Chris, Mm -hmm. you have a great point. That was a fantastic question. Is this hurting our defensive line to practice against this soft offensive line as we perceive them right now? Or is it making the offensive line better to practice against this defensive line? I'm going to be honest with you, and this is going to hurt some feelings. I'm not sold on Jack Sawyer. I'm not. He's no, not I Chase Young. And he I, is, can't, I can't be either. At this, at this point, I'm almost saying Caden Curry needs some more snaps. I would agree. Jack agree. Sawyer is – he's this generation's uh, – Zach Harrison? Harrison? Yeah. He's just not the guy right now. Right now. Okay. I he has some J- flashes. Mm-hmm. I thought JT Tumulau played well. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he had what four tackles, a mm, half yeah, tackle I, for loss. He 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 was dominating his side of the ball, but I I agree with you, Aaron. Where was Jack at? Um, we'll see. We'll see what this this week looks like against obviously some uh, competition that you should dominate. If you don't dominate this week, there's a problem. There's an issue. Um, you know, we asked the question, we asked the question, this, this whole off season, Chris, was the offensive line just that bad or was the defensive line just that good? I'm starting to think it was neither <laughs> or both, it, you know, it, you know, let, let's see, let's see what the next couple of weeks brings us. I mean, you right now you're studying for your your big exam and that exam comes in South Bend, Indiana, because that's going to tell us everything we need to know about this football team for the remainder of the season in that game. Do they have heart? Do they have grit? Um, are they going to go in there and not be intimidated? All those questions are going to get answered. Have we made the necessary improvements to be a contender uh, against the better teams in this conference and a chance to get back to the CFP? <laughs> All of that's going to be answered in week number four. Um, so if you don't get pressure on their quarterback, he is going to pick us apart, regardless of how much our defensive backs have improved. He is extremely good. You have to make him uncomfortable. You have to hit him. You and can't if we give any quarterback five or six seconds, you just, no, no, you absolutely can't. not. You can't. So that's yeah. So that's what we're looking for. I'm watching the defensive line with a with a magnifying glass this week. How fast are you getting? And here's the other thing: How many moves do you have? Do you just have one move? You know. Let me let me bring this up too real quick. At halftime, Ryan Day said that he was happy with how the offense, the lines were firing off the ball. I don't know what game well, he was watching. I think he was shocked that they were running the option. I really think that this this kind of caught the, the coaches off guard, and it changed the the whole dynamic of the defensive line. I also think he had some serious question marks about this offensive line, Aaron. Like I, yeah. I this offensive line in practice, I thought we are going to win <clears throat> nine games. We are an eight and fourteen. We still might practice. be. We still and, might be. And I think what we saw against Indiana was like, oh, they have a pulse. You know, yeah. they're not dead on arrival. It's not DOA here. Okay. Like they have a pulse. 
they can, the they court, can improve. No emotion whatsoever. Let me throw this one at you guys, too. If we lose to Notre Dame, you know, Woody Hayes' quote is, is relevant and valid. But in 2014, we kind of disproved it a little bit because Virginia Tech was not the first game. Right. We took our bumps right there, and we came back, and every week we got better and better and right. better. Do right. you think that that is possible this season if we lose to Notre Dame? Two things tell me no. What's Number that? one, this is not the same coaching staff. I, as much as Urban Meyer might be dumpster juice as a person, he is a motivator to the nth degree. Well, he's probably going to beat them up if they Motiv- <laughs> some of, <laughs> kick them. Well, <laughs> some of it might be motivation out of fear, but isn't that real? That's a real thing, man. It is. Fear is a powerful motivator. It is, you know, and that calls into question Day's philosophy of, you know, being – it's such a fine line. I'll, go ahead, though. I'll, number I'll two, that. number two, we had the best running back in college football. And we gave him the dang ball, and the offensive line had some serious grit that we didn't know they had. We didn't know – I we don't know. I don't know that we've got those things. And we team. didn't. Yeah, but we did at the time. We didn't know Zeke was as good as he was. Nobody really. No one knew. That he no was one that knew. Great until he shredded Michigan and then Wisconsin and then went on the playoff run. I, is it Chip? Is it Travion? Is it Mayan? I don't know. I feel like Chip has it in him. Chip got that dog in him. All, right? all I well, know is Aaron is scaring scare the ever living hell out of me, Eric, because. I'm worried that we're going to have to get Lincoln Kleinholtz ready to go. He keeps referring to 2014. Right. Third quarter, third string quarterback. Um, so I don't know what this is all about, but apparently Chip during the game Saturday was feeling pretty confident and said something about put me in the dang game. And I'll, I clean that up. Yeah. And they did. And he responded. Somebody um, well, you know what? He wants so it. He wants you it. Said, you said it, Aaron. He's got some of that dog in him. This offense needs a voice. It, it needs a voice. I thought maybe it was going to be a Mechag Buka. I thought maybe, you know, Marvin Harrison. Uh, maybe it's Chip. Maybe Chip is that guy who has a giant chip on his shoulder and is like, you know, give me the dang ball. I'll give yeah. you, I'll get you your yards. Uh, yeah. I'll make see, I'll make that block. See, I feel like that 2014 team was full of guys like Chip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hate to say this because I mean I know we talk a lot about comparisons and things like that because that's I mean in sports that's kind of what we do. But Egbuka's soft. Uh, Fleming is soft. All right, these guys are not tough. You see that they're, they're not. Blocking they're not. They're not Garrett Wilson. They're not Chris Olave. Um, they're not uh, Mike Thomas. They're they're softer. Than I don't know that I can agree with you that they're soft. After what I saw from the blocking last week, weak. And I don't know, and this is what I kind of wanted to touch on, and I'm, I don't mean to crap on these guys. I 100% support them. I don't mean to talk down on them, okay? So mm-hmm. I'll take a step back. I don't, I don't mean to, like, insult them because that's not where I want to go with this. But – 
they need to be more aggressive in their play. I will say that. Okay. Mike Thomas, Devin Smith, Evan, Evan Spencer, those guys would go and put a freaking hat on somebody. These guys don't do that. Okay. And I don't know. Well, hang on. I, I don't know if that's Ryan Day's, uh, mental health support philosophy, wherever, you know, let's meet them where they're at. Whereas coach, you know, Urban Meyer would be like, well, hey, you need to be, you want to win championships. You need to get here. There's an obvious answer to this guys. It's a different difference in offensive philosophy. Yeah. And we talked okay. about that on Sunday. You know? Urban Meyer's offense was read option. You had to block. And the expectation in that wide receiver room was, I don't care how good of a wide receiver you are. If you don't block, you don't sustain blocks. If you're not tough at blocking, you're not going to play because our offense is a read option first. Yeah. And what I saw in the blocking from the wide receivers was garbage. It's because they don't have to do it. They're not asked to do it as much, which is a they're freaking asked to problem. Downfield and catch passes. Well, even, right. okay, even if you're not going to block, at least run them off. That's another way to get it done. Right. They're not doing that either. Yeah. They're not doing that either. So I, I I don't know. I feel like I'm really crapping on them and that's not where I wanted to go with this. Okay. So first and foremost, I apologize. I, that's, that's not what I like to do. I, I I try to keep more negative than I usually am, Eric. I mean, he's, I just try to keep it constructive, okay? Because, I mean, we're all passionate here, and so I'll, I'll step it back, and I, I apologize. I didn't mean to crap on the board. We're, That's we're not, not We're not saying anything that fans with two eyeballs who watch the same game we are don't recognize. If yeah. they If they watch the game from the perspective of the X's and O's and, and what, what it takes to win a football game. You know, if you're just watching it as a fan, you know, you're, you're coming away with, we won 23 to three. What's the big deal? Well, we're seeing, we're seeing the, the major discrepancies and holes in our game. that's going to cause us to lose. And I was talking with my dad today and he said, did you watch the Maryland game? I said, no, I go, ah, they played Townsend. Okay. The equivalent of Youngstown state for them. But he said, I have a great fear that this team will lose to any good team with a good quarterback because the the, the offense won't be able to keep up. Defense a, gets tired. The defense is going to be out there on the field a lot. And if you have a good quarterback who can who can just make plays, and right now we don't have that. And and Maryland does, Penn State does. I still don't know if, if the team up north has got a playmaking quarterback. We'll see about JJ. Okay, I, I he did against Ohio State last year, but a lot of that was just total total BS. That was bad defense. Bad defense. Yeah, okay, okay. we made him look good. Notre Dame's got one, so there's at least three and a half. We'll call JJ a half, right? Uh, I watched that Purdue quarterback almost will that team to a victory. They played awful defense. He almost willed them to the victory. Illinois got a quarterback now. I know we don't play them, but again, Illinois 0-1 and got beat by Toledo if he literally doesn't make a, a an unbelievable fourth down pass Okay, in that game. Like, there are quarterbacks. Wisconsin's got one now. Now looked good. And a running back. Okay, Wisconsin is dangerous, guys. I'm telling you right now, 
if McCord doesn't step his game up and this offense doesn't come alive, the defense, the pressure on this defense is is just it's going to be immense. Now they're good, but Trestle Ball in in this in this generation and Trestle even a minute on on the Tim May podcast, football is very different today than when he coached. Very very different. They didn't do track, hurry up. Yeah, they didn't yeah. do hurry up offenses in 2002. That wasn't a thing yet. All right, let's get to our prediction. Man, we we made this segment go a lot longer than it was supposed to, but we're pro- we're passionate Buckeye fans, guys. Yes. All right, Aaron's prediction. He says 38 to zero against Youngstown State. Chris said 45 to zero. I gave him a field goal. I said 45 to three. 42 to zero, Eric. 42 to zero. Yeah. Uh, you might want to double check that. Pretty sure you were 45 to zero, but I can change that for you if you want me to, Chris. Not a problem. If you're making that 42 to zero, we can do that. Um, so, how did you come up with your score and why, Aaron? Um, I just I think that it's um, I think the offense still has some work to do. Um, I think they're going to get it together in this game at some point. Maybe it's the second quarter. Maybe it's the top of the third right after halftime, but I think that's uh, they're going to score the bulk of their points in the second and third quarters. So um, I think between trying to work it out, uh, slow start, even though it's Youngstown State, it's not something Youngstown State's doing. It's on us to get that ball rolling, um, and I think it's just going to take some time. Again, O-line needs to gel. We need to get that stuff together, but that's kind of where I came away with that. I think I think we'll get a field goal. And five touchdowns. Chris, 42 to zero. How'd you come up with your score? Well, the simple way would be to say, I saw what other teams did against FCS competition, and uh, I took that and divided it in half based on our offensive struggles last week. <laughs> but, you know, that that's not actually it. You know, I just, I feel kind of like Aaron said, I think we're going to start to get things together a little bit. <clears throat> Um, I do think that we actually are going to come out and score touchdowns this week. I think you'd have to – I feel like the offense has to get rolling. I feel like McCord and Harrison have to get back on the same page. Um, And and I just feel like they're going to come out. They've got something to prove. And honestly, I think – I would like to tell you that this is McCord's last shot if he didn't come out and do – a fantastic job, but I almost feel if he doesn't pull him by halftime in this game and get Devin Brown some snaps, there's no way we're seeing Devin Brown this year because you're not going to start him one week before Notre Dame and then no. start him versus Notre Dame. You're just not. No. At this point, he has said Kyle McCord is my guy, so I think we just got to get, uh, get it in our head that that's where we're going. Get behind McCord. I think the rest of the team is going to get behind McCord. And I feel like we're going to see some positive offense this week and think, a defensive touchdown. I think the offense pretty much yeah. gets to score at will. And with the new new um, clock not <clears throat> stopping rules, I don't think that scoring 60 to 70 points is against a team that actually has a pulse, <clears throat> looking at you, Oklahoma and Oregon, um, is, is legitimate anymore. Uh, I also want to see some more explosive plays on the offense. Um, I don't know if 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 we will or not. If we don't, I still think this offense can drive it down the field. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to dominate the line of scrimmage against Youngstown State. I give them three points in, in 
you know, just out of respect to the fact that Jim Trestle coached there. Okay. So 45 to three, and I'm praying Trestle dots the eye. That's what is, I'm excited for. Is Trest, is Trest their, their coach right now, Eric? No, he's not. Is he he's even the president of the university anymore? Nobody lives there. And don't give him the points. Tress is gone. I love Tress. How about how about the fact that Tress has a special sweater vest planned for the game? Like That'd be her. cool. I heard he's got like a, a special, slick, like a split deal. I think he's gonna have a sweater vest with both logos on him. Is what I think. That'd be cool. Yeah, well, I think I like that. Go red either way. So. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's gonna be a red sweater vest. Um. All right. Last question. We're going in overtime, as always. What we do. How, if you're Ryan Day, how do you split the snaps between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown to to get the answer you need on how to move forward starting next week? How do you do that, Aaron? Um, Chris kind of prefaced it a little bit. Um, I think McCord starts the game. We already know that that's going to happen. They said right. as much. Uh, but at halftime, I think you let Devin Brown run come hell or high water. Devin Brown plays the whole second half and you have against to Youngstown. Right, yeah. Let him throw the ball. Let him get into situations where he has to make a play and see what he's made of. I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Uh, Chris, do you, you have anything else before I say it? No, go ahead. Okay. You go every other. You can't do that. I, I know. I, I know. I go every other quarter, but I couldn't go every other series. I you got to go every other series. I want to see it. Who can do it? It's if the this, fair. At this point, it's the like only fair thing to do. Quarter. I'd like to see him have the second quarter, just so he gets reps with the actual full first. I quarter. would. I would give Devin Brown the start this week myself. That's so what I would have done. But I agree it, with that. He's not. He already said he's not. So you let me see every other series with the same that. players, the same offensive line against the same defense. I want to see it. Give me every other. You should be able to beat this team with you, me running the freaking offense. How hard is it to hand the ball off? I mean, come on. Even I can do that. But I want to see these guys throw, Aaron. I want to see who's more accurate. I want to see who can move the team. Who has an? Who can? Who can make an explosive play offensively as quarterback? Every other. I want. That's what. Until then, how can you say that this was a fair quarterback competition? It wasn't. Because it wasn't. he said it himself. Either Ryan Day's a liar. Well, when he said <laughs> when he said it was neck to neck and so close, and he's going to give Kyle, you know, Kyle McCord the start, but you know he, you know. Devin Brown's Coaches earned playing time. At this point, Eric. Coaches are politicians. They're going to tell you. I, I know that. And everybody else what they need to hear. Here's the dirt. Here's the dirty secret. He's scared to death one of them's going to jump in the portal and then the other one gets hurt and then what? That's the truth. I'm telling you, dude. McCord wins well, we this thing. It. Devin's leaving. I think so, Period. too. With Eric right Owens. Now, if I was Devin Brown. I would say if I don't get half the, you know, get at least a half of football in this game, I'm entering. He's got four games. He can play in four games. He's got and... four games. But what I'm saying is, you know enough by the end of this game. If he doesn't have his fair share of snaps in this game, he knows what the score is, so to speak. He knows that he's second best to Kyle McCord. 
at least in the eyes of, of Brian Day. Because playing, I mean, letting him play the whole game against Western Kentucky the week before Notre Dame, you're putting your team at detriment. Yes, yeah. you are. So you've got to get right before you go to South Bend. That's why I say McCord is the guy. He's going so, to be the guy all year guy. unless he gets he, hurt. He, he used to it. Yeah, because they're not going to disrupt the the little bit of rhythm that they do have. What if Devin Brown gets in the game and he freaking balls, guys? I mean, he just balls out. Then you and, do what and, you got to do. Then I, you, at this point, do does he not have to say, we saw it on film, hundred and five thousand Buckeyes just watched it. I think. And, that's and here's the other thing: watch you mark mark it mark my words. <clears throat> if McCord comes out and starts, and they do not look good offensively on like say the first two drives, oh, there the will there will be booing and there will be chance for Devin Brown. Mark my words. And I you was gonna. What? You will never see it though. That's the thing. Ryan Day doesn't want us to see Devin Brown throw the ball. He doesn't want us to know. He doesn't want a legitimate quarterback controversy. I know? don't know if that's true, Chris. Come on, man. I truly believe that. I was gonna say, Eric. I think if there was ever a game to do what you propose, where it's, it's every other one. series, it's it this is one. this game. It's this so one. I think that that's plausible. I don't think that that's what's going to happen, but. It's possible. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen either. I think Kyle McCord is going to play the majority of the beginning of the game. And and ev- eventually, they're going – the media, God bless them, at least they're doing this right. <laughs> they are going to force Ryan Day to finally say who his starter is. Well, I was going to say too, you know, you said either Ryan Day is a liar, which, I mean, he's got a track record of lying about – injury status, which I I, I kind of understand and appreciate because he's sure. trying to protect their information and right. some stuff about the team. But, you know, he knew the whole time that uh, the center that we had, he Harry wasn't going to play. Yeah, Harry he Miller. wasn't going to play. But he, he, he was not – He I mean, gosh, dude, he was – Harry Miller was going to take his life, man. You don't, you don't come I know. out and tell I'm everybody not, that. Right. I would, you know, he should have said, well, I don't know what's going on. You know, just, hey, he's dealing with some stuff. He's got some very personal things going on, and we're going to respect that. And Harry might have said, I don't want you to say anything. And that's fair, too. You know, we don't don't know the backstory there. You're 100% right. Yeah, you're 100% right. But that's not the only example. No, it's not. There's plenty of others. Absolutely. Maybe that was in poor taste of me. So again, I apologize. But, but, but no, you're right, Aaron. There was a lot more than just Harry Miller who was of, injured. But there was a lot of this uh, same type of controversy around Travion Henderson last year and yeah. JSN and JSN and Mayan Williams. Yeah, Mayan Williams. Yeah. Travion actually called him out at one point on it. He did. I don't remember that. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, he well, called him out it, without calling them out. Well, this past summer, he basically admitted he was hurt. He's like, I'm hurt. I was hurt. I was hurt all year. Hurt since game number, was it three? Two, Two or three? Yeah. So, all right, guys. Please like, share, subscribe. Hope you enjoyed what you're listening to. We go live every Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern. You can call in. Last week, we had our first call-in show. Uh, we've got this we're giving away. It's a McDonald's large koozie that we're giving away this Sunday. Uh, McDonald's sent it to me. $6 at McDonald's. If you don't win this one this weekend for free, go to your local Central Ohio McDonald's 
and win the and buy this for six dollars, and the proceeds go to the Ronald McDonald House of Central Ohio. Very great cause. So appreciative of that. All right, guys, enjoy the game. If you're lucky enough to go to the shoe, enjoy it. Crossing our fingers, Trestle gets the dot the eye. Haven't heard anything as of this recording on Tuesday night when we recorded that. But uh, looking forward to seeing a Buckeye victory. Don't forget, put your prediction of the score in the comment section below on this YouTube or Rumble video, and you will be automatically entered for your chance to win a ohio podcast t-shirt to the first person first person who rightly predicts the correct score all right guys be kind to one another i owe someone's oh and sing carmen ohio with all your heart till next time oh i this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.